Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, March 17th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The Federal Reserve raised rates yesterday for the first time since 2018. European energy traders are asking for emergency help, and we'll look at the rising cost of Beijing's friendship with Moscow. I do think she and the Chinese leadership have been surprised by how steep these costs are proving to be, especially as the war goes on. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Fed yesterday lifted its key interest rate a quarter of a percentage point. It's a milestone in terms of the U.S. economy's recovery from the pandemic. It's also the start of the U.S. central bank's battle against inflation. Here's our U.S. economics editor, Colby Smith. People were definitely taken aback by the number of interest rate increases that Fed officials signaled could be in store for 2022. I think going into this meeting, people thought officials would be signaling, let's say, four to six interest rate increases. Um, So in a lot of ways, I think people have just been trying to digest uh, exactly where this puts the Fed now in terms of its monetary policy, given that we have this very kind of clear indication that every meeting from this point forward is live. Yeah, but it couldn't have taken investors that much by surprise, right, Colby? I mean, the S&P 500, end of the day, two and a quarter percent higher. Yeah, I think people were a little bit perplexed with the the market reaction here, given that this was, you know, a pretty hawkish uh, move from the Fed. One thing that I think people focused quite a bit on was the fact that Powell sounded quite confident in the Fed's ability to kind of pull off a soft landing, meaning their ability to bring down inflation without, you know, a huge detriment to growth or labor markets. Now, there is some skepticism, however, in the Fed's ability to do this. um, And that's what a lot of economists have been telling me, is that they're a little bit concerned that interest rates might need to rise a lot more than the Fed has initially suggested, meaning the hit to growth and labor markets might be more pronounced than are currently penciled into these forecasts. Colby Smith is the FT's U.S. economics editor. Stock markets around the globe popped up yesterday on news of Russia and Ukraine making progress on a tentative peace plan, TBD on whether that will stick. Asian markets in particular were boosted by remarks from China's top economic official. He reassured investors that Beijing would take measures to support the economy and financial markets. This comes after sharp stock sell-offs in China and Hong Kong earlier this week. Here's the FT's Tom Mitchell. Vice Premier Liu He, who's... He's really the most powerful economic official in China. He heads something called the Financial Stability and Development Committee, which came out with a really wide-ranging statement saying they recognize there are all these serious problems in the economy and challenges facing the economy. And they understood some of the reasons that had driven the financial market sell-off, and they were going to take measures to address that. It was really something aimed at increasing confidence. Uh, There was nothing specific uh, as of early Wednesday evening Beijing time, but it will be interesting to see what follow-up measures there may be to that. Tom, you've also been writing about the rising cost of Beijing's loyalty to Moscow. Uh, I want to ask you more about this. Are we talking about sanctions, and how would sanctions affect China? What China fears is, for example, technology companies which sell uh, a lot of 
handphones into Russia with U.S. components, U.S. sanctions could make it impossible for them to also sell into U.S. and European markets if they continue to do business in Russia. So they are going to basically cut off their their Russia business, despite all the pledges of support from Xi Jinping to Putin and the Russian government. Um, the other issue on sanctions is Chinese banks. Any Chinese bank with business, U.S. dollar business uh, in Europe and the U.S., they're not going to jeopardize their access to the U.S. financial system by doing business in Moscow, if that's what U.S. sanctions uh, uh, mandate. Um, so it's really a problem for Chinese companies. How much do trade relationships matter, Tom? China's trade with the West is it's just so much bigger than it is with Russia. So how does Beijing take this into account? Well, apparently not at all, because you would think if you do $1.5 trillion worth of trade with the U.S. and Europe, you would value that more than it does with Russia. The thing is, ideologically, in terms of his worldview, Xi Jinping is just much more closely aligned with Vladimir Putin than he is with Joe Biden. He sees a world in which the U.S. is domineering, the U.S. has launched a lot of trade and technology sanctions targeting China going back to when Donald Trump was president. So he sees the U.S. as an enemy, and so does Putin. And so the enemy of my enemy is my friend. But at the same time, they worry about the economic consequences of this geopolitical relationship. And they would, they want to have it both ways. They want to have the friendship with Putin. They want to have good economic relations with Europe and the U.S., and they probably could have had that absent the invasion of, of Ukraine. But the invasion of Ukraine really puts them on a spot. And that's exactly where they are now, trying to wriggle their way out of it. Now, do you think Xi Jinping's friendship with Putin is going to cause him political problems in China? Um, not necessarily. I think Xi's political position is as strong as it's ever been. He will cruise to a third term in October or November. However, that said, I do think she and the Chinese leadership have been surprised by how steep these costs are proving to be, especially as the war goes on and is a lot longer than Putin certainly believed and the Chinese probably believed as well. They don't want to get to the point where they have to distance themselves from Russia and because the economic pain is so bad, they'll do everything they can to support the economy, to keep things humming along, even if it means blowing out their debt to GDP ratio, something they've managed to restrain over recent years. So the question is, are they getting to a point where they are going to have to make a really hard decision, which is either back away from Putin a bit, which she does not want to do, or bear a much higher economic price than they were expecting to pay. That's the FT's Beijing bureau chief, Tom Mitchell. Europe's largest energy traders yesterday asked for help with a looming cash crunch. In a letter seen by the FT, the European Federation of Energy Traders called on governments and central banks to provide emergency liquidity. This would help members manage market volatility. The Federation's members include BP and Shell. Energy prices have seesawed since the pandemic, and it's become even worse since Russia invaded Ukraine. FT Alphaville reporter Claire Jones has more on what the energy traders are asking for. The letter's very specific in saying this is 
a short-term measure. It's about providing short-term credit lines that can really deal with very acute situations in energy markets, which, you know, we've seen in broader commodity markets too. I think we've seen, you know, the nickel market is, it's got into a lot of trouble. We've seen exchanges having to close. I think the trade body is really after is ensuring that doesn't happen in European energy exchanges. Now, Claire, do we have an idea if they're going to get what they asked for or have a sense of what's going to happen? We don't know yet if these facilities will occur or, you know, what shape they would, you know, they would form. You know, central banks have been pretty non-committal so far. So we shouldn't really get ahead of ourselves too much. But what it will mean is that the price discovery process still works. I mean, this is why the exchanges are so important, because they allow for futures contracts and other derivatives to be sold. That allows people in the market to really hedge risk and ensure that you've got, you know, some way of kind of like managing the volatility that we've seen in energy markets. But the prices themselves, I think, are being driven by other factors that are more geopolitical in nature. Claire Jones is a reporter for FT Alphaville. Before we go, I'll be on Twitter Spaces today hosting a discussion with FT journalists about China's role regarding the war in Ukraine, like what we were talking about before. Join me at 8.30 a.m. New York, 12.30 p.m. London, and 8.30 p.m. in Beijing. I'll be joined by the FT's Dmitry Sevastopolo and Catherine Hilla. I'll tweet out the link to it today. My handle on Twitter is at M-F-I-L-I-P-P-I-N-O. We'll also have a link in the show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.